From out of the lab and into the gym, it's the Coach B Plus Applied Sports Science Podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Davidovich from Coach B Plus, and you're listening to the Coach B Plus Applied Sports Science Podcast. This is episode number seven. Uh, today, we have Dr. Brian Thompson from Springfield College. Uh, for those who don't know, Springfield College is world-renowned for you know pumping out a large number of quality strength conditioning coaches over the past couple of decades. So it was really good to actually talk to uh, the guy who's the head of the program over there now. Uh, we discussed the importance of um, athlete monitoring and compliance, uh, working with um, interns, GAs, and student athletes, uh, and of course the GA program at Springfield, which is, um, you know, it's just top quality. Uh, a little bit about nutrition and, of course, uh, the importance of leadership skills, which um, you know seems to get lost sometimes when we really get into discussions about science and everything else like that. It does get back to the basics. Um, for those who listen to the podcast, uh, you might have noticed a gap in September. It's because everybody was getting back into their offices and back with their teams, but we do have a bunch of guests lined up for the next couple of months, so um, you'll be hearing more from us. Uh, for those who have not subscribed to the newsletter, I recommend that you do so. Go to coachmeplus.com and click uh, subscribe. It's in the top right corner. And you're going to get uh, your inbox filled with good information. You know, I promise we're not going to hit you with spam or anything else like that. It's really just going to be the latest on applied sports science and more. So without further ado, Dr. Brian Thompson. Thanks. We're live. So we've got... Uh, Dr. Brian Thompson from Springfield College on uh, on the podcast here. Say hi, Brian. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and thanks for doing this. You know, um, it's funny, like the past couple of weeks, um, it's, you, we usually do like a podcast every two weeks or so. And the problem over the past couple of weeks is you get everybody in college has their crazy schedule going on everybody yeah. in the pros has their i mean what's your what's your schedule been like the past couple of weeks well with getting all the teams in and, and, and getting their screens done and any type of preseason testing it's just yeah it's just been crazy this is probably the busiest time of the year this first you know four weeks of classes and then really the last four weeks of classes are, are um, busy times as far as getting everybody through we do an fms with everyone uh, getting all that done, and then the preseason physicals we take, we participate in that with all of our athletes, with our athletic training staff, and then at the end of the year, kind of uh, re-screening and retesting, and obviously we do our weight room testing and, and that type of field test, that kind of thing too. So we're now that we've we're about our second week of having everybody going on their, their their programs right now. Cool, very cool. So you guys are actually doing corrective stuff based on the FMS. Yes, we do. We uh, we incorporate a lot of it. In, in different ways, we, we, we try to look at a general, if we have any, see, we see any general pro- problems, mm-hmm. if we look at a team, uh, this, you know, if I see something like, like a wrestling, for example, they've got some shoulder mobility issues, they've got some uh, asymmetries on the inline lunge, so we'll take a look at those and try to work some uh, correctives into our movement prep warm-up program, yep. Yep. and then I also will like to pair, do a lot of pairing, so if I'm doing a... We, we pair a lot of exercise, so if I'm, anytime I've got any type of uh, a horizontal push or vertical push, uh, upper body, mm-hmm. they're going to be doing, doing some type of T-spine or shoulder mobility, mm-hmm. and anytime I do like a uh, like a, a, a squat or a, um, a lower body push, they're going to be, they're going to do a, uh, like an ankle mobility, yep. and to do a lower body pull, like a deadlift, they're going to be doing a hip mobility with that. So really try to work based on what we've got. We do some individual stuff if we need it, but a lot of it is addressing it kind of as a team. Cool. And obviously you guys are known as the factory of strength conditioning coaches. <laughs> so, so how many, you know, you, you got, uh, you probably have the benefit that, that not a lot of people have where um, it's not just you doing 600 or how many athletes do you have there? We have a, few, a little bit over 700 athletes. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, 700 athletes. It's not just you. You have an army of guys there. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're lucky. I mean, I've got currently, I've got, I've got several grad assistants, and yep. um, you know, the various it can help out in various ways. Um, and then uh, interns, right now, I've got eight interns as well. So we've got a staff of about sixteen or seventeen that we can we can use to do our screening and that kind of thing. And we always try to keep you know that one. I, I like to keep a one to twelve ratio yep. of, of coach coach to athletes. That's a really good um, ratio. It, 
Yeah, which is we're <laughs> very fortunate to be able to do at, at this level, especially. Yeah, and it's incredible. because of the grad program and the grad program and, and the athletics being so integrated. So, so I mean, you got a one to twelve ratio. I mean, uh, the the kids gotta love it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think most of the time they love it. Sometimes they <laughs> they, they, they they feel like they can't get away with anything, which we don't want them to get away with anything. So, so um, I mean, uh, for for somebody who's never heard of Springfield, I mean, if if you're in this space, obviously you've heard of it. You know, it's 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 got a reputation of just putting out the best names. Um, you look at the NFL. You look at Major League Baseball. I mean, there's just tons of guys in, in the in the that are active right now, or yeah. that have been legends in the field that have gone through Springfield. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm somebody who just came across this podcast. Maybe I'm you know uh, one of the UK guys or one of the Australian guys who've you know come across it because we're doing with a lot dealing with a lot of the sports scientists. Um, exp- explain a little bit like how this. Um, how this tradition or how this factory of, of strength conditioning coaches got started there and how you've been able to, to carry that forward. Well, I, I think just the, the reputation we've had at Springfield College was always a kind of a physical education. Mm-hmm. And going back to uh, um, the days of like Mike Boysick was here and Michael Boyle. Um, and Mike Boyle talks, gives a story about he, he goes into his dorm and his RA is Mike Boysick. So you, you have uh, <laughs> just, just that that you see those guys that have gone on to be so successful in the field. And, and, and you look at Rusty Jones and, you know, uh, John Torine and just, I, I, I know I'm, I'm leaving out, I'm going to leave out a lot of people, but <laughs> those guys that really went to, to high levels and, and did really well with uh, strength and conditioning and very proud to be from Springfield college. And that's one thing that really took me. I mean, I came here, I'd been at Ball State University and I've been at University of Illinois I came in here in 1998 and think, okay, it's a small school. I'll, I'll work here for a few years, get some more experience, move off to a bigger school. Yeah. And I've had a lot of opportunities, but I never, I never want to leave. It's just, uh, it's just that tradition that you have and the, the alumni and the, the support. And I know I can call any, any alum from here, and they'll answer any question I have if I need help with an intern. You know, get an intern there and that kind of thing. So I think it's just kind of started with just people's love of the, of training. Yeah. And kind of has gone in from there. Once the profession really got going, we we started the grad program in uh, in 1998, which was the year I got here. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Margaret Jones started it. Um, She's moved on to uh, other program, and I I take I took it over uh, several years ago, and just continued to keep it rolling. And just thinking of those alums, yeah, and you know the the standard I have to hold the students to to make sure they're going to go out and be quality strength coaches. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just one of the things that's just kind of developed. We found our niche in the undergraduate program. We've got a wonderful undergraduate program now in exercise science. They're putting out a lot of, uh, uh, great coaches as well. So you got, you know, when you first started there, you guys first started the grad program, what would you say has changed? And it's not, you know, 1998 seems like a, uh, a long time ago, but if you think about any profession, it's not really that long ago, but I'm sure it's accelerated and changed a lot. Like what, what have you seen? From the time that you walk in the doors to now, where it's you know you would say the biggest the biggest change has come along. Well, I mean, a lot of it is just the science and technology. I mean, we started like I mean, like like even when I got in strength and conditioning almost 30 years ago, it was like if you you know big big and strong like to lift weights, you could be a strength <laughs> coach. You, yeah. It was kind of the gym rats. Yeah. Uh, um, they just never wanted to leave the weight room, and and now we still have that. We still have. People that want to be in the weight room all the time, but they're reading articles constantly. They're they're on top of the. I mean, just the way that the technology and everything. I mean, I find I start every class I have in the morning, and I'm very fortunate to be teaching in the morning. So I've got the grad students in the morning and in the afternoon. We're all in the weight room. So I start every class. What did you learn since last class? So what did you learn in the last 24 hours to make you a better strength coach? And they are on top of that. I mean, and it keeps me, I, I start, I go first. So it keeps me having to read a lot to keep up with them. So I think that's the biggest part of it is yeah. I've got to continue to learn so I can continue to educate them and stay on top of whatever, you know, the latest trend is or articles. And it's just, obviously, the, the, the Internet it's, it makes it so much easier to find stuff. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, But I, I find the students challenge me a lot, a lot more than, than, than they used to, um, to, to, find new things and that kind of thing. 
So, um, you know, the natural evolution then, if, if technology is pushing the program and students are pushing the program, how do you see uh, your program evolving over, you know, let's say the next five years? Well, I mean, I think it's con- con- continuing with what the needs of the field are yep. and uh, staying up all, uh, on everything. And one big thing, one thing I'm big about, and I feel like I've heard other coaches talk about this, just a pendulum in strength and conditioning, something new will come out. Everybody will jump on that and want to do that. And then it starts to swing back towards the middle. And what I try to do is kind of stay in that middle um, ground and cover, okay, these are the things. This is our traditional. This is what we've done that's worked. This is why they work. Go a lot into evidence-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these are the new things. And let's, let's, let's uh, look at those. And I think teaching the students to analyze that, I'm very big on, you know, as far as what I consider evidence-based coaching, so you've got the research side of it. Is it's backed by research? That's one component. Yeah. Um, it, you know, uh, is physiologic? Does it make physiological sense? Is the mm-hmm. science there? Maybe it's not, you know, peer-reviewed research, but does the science make sense? Sure. And then also your coaching experience. What have you learned? What are you able to understand that seems to work? And then the athletes. What 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 do the athletes seem to like? I think that's part of it as well. Sure. So I think those four components, I spend a lot of time teaching that, and I think with that model, we can kind of adapt to the times as they change. Um, One thing, at least with the athletes, we're doing a lot more on Instagram and Snapchat. Um, I'm still learning that stuff. I have have a 14-year-old daughter to keep me up to date on that. Um, But, yeah, just getting the stuff out there, and uh, I I see that we're going to evolve more with continuing with, with Find the best way to reach the athletes. We're doing a lot more with nutrition now. That's a big thing too. That I think at, at, at the Division Three level, where I am, obviously you, you don't have the resources, but been very fortunate to have um, so, some some GAs with background in nutrition. So that's uh, the, the next. Yeah, you know, I think the next thing we're, we're focusing on as well. So um, there's there's you know you brought up a couple of points. Um, first, let me ask you. Uh, you know, so there's there's new stuff coming up all the time, and like you said, it's like this pendulum that goes back and forth, and we see it too. Like you, you push forward, uh, it goes a little bit too far, and then you bring stuff back, and you're and you're kind of you know advancing the uh, the field, but at like a burst, two step forward, one step back, two step yeah. forward, one step back. Yeah. So you end up with a lot of empirical based versus evidence based um, mm-hmm. technology that comes out. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is the new you know whatsy wig wearable velocity pulley thing um where do you begin to play with that line between the difference between that empirical and the evidence-based um you know um, technology that's being pushed at you and at what point do you look at it and just go no that's that's complete crap or no that requires uh some true uh research and studies and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe even do that myself well it's interesting i'm I'm very big on Go to the source. So if someone came up with something, so if you want to learn PRI, go to a PRI course. Don't just take what you find online or, or what other people are talking about. Um, when it came to the FMS, I remember, I mean, FMS has been around a, a, a while. Published, uh, I, I can't remember what it was first published in early 2000 um, in, um, I think, high-performance training. Mm-hmm. And when I, I started to learn, learn, look at it, I said, okay, I'm going I'm to contact Greg Cook. And, you know, find a great, you know, contact Greg Cook, contact Lee Burton, yeah. learn why what they came up with, and I think that's with all this technology going to the source. Just this morning, I had a group, um, the RQX, which is a new uh, system that's coming out. That uh, as far as different band resistances, it's a machine you can hook up um, different tubes with with kind of a rotating resistance and hook up uh, all kinds of different planes. Really interesting, and one of our Alums is involved with it, Seth Foreman and another individual, so Eric Kane. Kind of like a pneumatic uh, resistance or a well, light resistance? It, it, it would look, looks like a pneumatic too, but it's bands within. So you can twist and it's all based on different uh, resistance bands. So, that. you know, they, they want some feedback. So we had them on campus. All right, explain to us, what are you trying to do with this? What, 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 what you know, the pros and cons, that kind of thing. So I think going to the source is the big thing with me. Find out, don't, don't. You know, learn something from someone that read something about. It. Learn something from the individuals that created it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that's big in my assessment of, of different things. Like with the FMS, I took time. I, I talked to to Greg Cook. I talked to Lee Burton. I talked to John Turin. Like, okay, I, I really like what's behind this. I like the thought process behind it. And so we we, st- we started using that. And the same thing, you know, Mike Boyle. 
he's an alum. He comes on campus all the time. So I, I try to um, just, just get in front of the coaches. If we're talking about you know, something like velocity-based training mm-hmm. um, or APRE, we, we did a FaceTime chat with, with Brian Mann. Mm-hmm. So try to get, you know, and same thing, Cal Dietz with triphasic training. So go to the source yep. and try to learn their rationale and reasoning behind it. And I think to me that, that gives you a better understanding of the whole process. So if you had, you know, you had unlimited resources, unlimited time, unlimited budget, you know, bodies, whatever it is, um, and you had all these stacks of, uh, of new stuff coming at you, what would be on your wish list of, of something that you'd want to actually take on and prove with evidence-based, you know, research? Uh, you know, that, that, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I, <laughs> off the cuff as far as that, I, uh, I mean, well, one thing I, I was just talking uh, this morning with the, the group from, from RQX about um, they're doing some stuff with wireless um, EMGs. Yep. That's something you don't have here. I think if we had that uh, system, and I actually just talked to my department chair about trying to get something <laughs> like that yeah. uh, soon, but um, just open up a lot of uh, opportunity with all these, with anything new, with any programs or whatever, I, I want to see what's actually working as far as is it actually increasing glute activation or, or whatever you may be looking for in certain positions. So uh, I would like just access to do more research. We do have a, a nice human performance lab here. Yeah, it's great. We've got a yeah. lab set up. Yeah, our strength lab set up. Um, yeah. But just trying to, to expand that. So I don't know if I could say right now any one um, technique. Um, but did I, did I would research, but I, I just kind of like to be able to look, I guess, or, you know, activation, if I had to pick a kind of a category. Yeah. It'd be interesting with a lot with PRI. I'm still learning about that. Actually, one of my assistants is going up to Vermont this weekend for a, uh, a clinic, and he's going to come back, and we're going to talk about that, um, do a little more research on that to understand how, how, how that would fit into uh, our setting. Um, and I'm always looking at how, you know, how, how we can use, you know, use anything out there that's going to help our athletes and, and kind of adapt it to, to what we have here. So it sounds like, two, I mean, um, the things that you would be, and I'm just trying to understand it, uh, some of the um, methodologies and mm. some of the ways to be able to test that with foundational, like you said, wireless EMG, for instance, as... Yeah a way to have a foundational way to actually look at the data. Is that, is that what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things with strength and conditioning is that the coaches are so far you know, ahead of some of the research. I mean, it's very difficult to get a peer-reviewed article published. Yeah. So I think, and uh, so obviously it's always going to be a little behind the coaches that are out there trying to get their athletes to perform better. So I think anything you have technology-wise that can help you as a coach to, to really quantify um, what you have and give you some more of that evidence um, that, that it's going to work is going to help. Well, we see what we see is we see a lot of technology companies like trying to get you know the Cal Dietz's, and I'm not saying Cal specifically, but like those guys of the world to help them do the research to validate yeah. their tech. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know, I don't know if the if you guys feel the pressure of like you know getting all, especially with you being your Boston. A lot of tech companies being there saying, "Hey, man, I got some yeah. cool stuff. I want you to please help me validate this." Like, do you guys feel that pressure at all? Um, not really. We uh-huh. haven't. I mean, honestly, we haven't had a lot of that happen. We've done. We've gotten involved a little bit with, uh, um, you know, uh, looking at some 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 different areas that that, that need to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Coach Mike Gittleson, um, who used to be at University of Michigan, he's been on campus several times, and we, we that's instigated some uh, some thesis testing we've done, mm-hmm. uh, looking at concussions and neck strength and that type of thing. Um, and just looking at some of the other equipment, like I mentioned a couple times now, the RQX, and looking at what we can do with that and you know, getting a lot of feedback um, on, on some equipment. But I don't think yeah. I feel a lot of pressure. Okay. I think there's a lot of stuff I'd like to do that we just don't have. It's just tough. I mean, we do have students doing thesis, but it, it's tough to really set up set up all the projects you'd like to do because there's so many yeah. <laughs> new and cool things out in the field of strength and conditioning that sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. All right, all right, what do I use? What do I what do I try out next kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so that was like, so you, you were mentioning something else that uh, I want to kind of bring back and that's uh, nutrition because I think it's highly overlooked in a lot of discussions that come mm-hmm. out about, you know, sports science and technology and everything else like that. You know, we get these waves of... Um, 
you know, the the conversation of the month. And for the past couple of months, it's been sleep. And then, you know, previous months before that, it was, uh, you know, getting subjective fatigue. Before that, it was, um, you know, uh, getting subjective load values. And then you, yeah. know, you just get into these waves of, um, of, you know, whatever the flavor is of the month. But I haven't heard nutrition come out in a long time. And we had we had Rusty over here, uh, thanks to, to, to Coach McKenney, um, so coach, uh, coach Jones comes in and, you know, we're just discussing things and, and, and going through and his entire conversation was about n- nothing but nutrition. And, and, and like we spent two hours talking about nutrition and I was just like, you know, I never would have expected that from an old school strength coach like Rusty Jones, but that's what the conversation was about. So you bring it up again and I'm, I'm sitting here going, yeah, you know, it seems to be a big gap in a lot of what's going on. Well, and I think it's something that, you know, it's been overlooked or I think, I don't know, different levels, but especially at this level, I think we could do more and we're trying to do more. And it's not really a high technology area. One of the things I just pulled off, I mean. <laughs> where I've got a, a card that we're giving all our athletes. We talk about the four, four R's to recovery, rehydrate, replenish, rest, and repair. And just trying to get some basic stuff across to our athletes. Um, we've talked about eat, sleep, rehydrate, with just some basic information. Trying to teach them how to how to eat. There's been so much. There's so much information out there on nutrition and dietary. Word low carb, low fat, whatever it may be. Yep. And then also them understanding. Well, maybe low carb works for general population, but will it work for athletes? And you know, just trying to help them sort through everything that's out there. And understand what their body needs for even for their specific sport. Yeah. So we we started up. You know, we we do uh, meetings with all the teams, trying specific. What are their needs specific to that? Um, do some cooking classes. We're getting ready to start. We've done some grocery trips in the past to help you know athletes understand how to how to shop. We we really something we learned is they they have no idea what to do in a grocery store, what to buy, right. Right. and then when they buy it, they have no idea what to do with it when they get home. <laughs> so, they're trying to teach them to understand that to make the better choices, um, and then even take them over to our, our dining services and uh, okay, you know, kind of an eat this, not that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, these are your choices. And, you know, make these choices. Um, make these. These are the better choices you have. So we will post the menus every morning on Snapchat or Instagram, um, so that, so the athletes have access to that, so so they can think ahead and plan ahead before they go over to the dining hall. And if they don't have a lot of time. That help that gives them a better idea of what they need to do once they get there. But also, like we use, you know, the Coach Me Plus for their, our, our recovery sheet. Yeah. Get the athletes thinking about: Did you eat a balanced meal? Did you get your, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Did you get that pre-lift or pre-practice snack and that post-lift, post-practice snack? Are you getting properly hydrated? Uh, you know, checking your urine color, those types of things. To just, we want it to always really be on their mind, so it just becomes automatic. I guess, I guess, you know, it's interesting because I can't, I can't think of anything else in athletics or in, in what you deal with with young athletes coming in. If they're coming in and they're, you know, 17, 18 years old, um, 19 years old, you have 19 years of marketing, food marketing, um, engineering, and education that you need to de-educate and then reinstill information, good information in on them. So they've been, you know, hit with McDonald's commercials on, you know, and, and uh, diet commercials and, you know, the latest uh, uh, fad and uh, books. And, I mean, like, I can't, nothing hits the general population more than bad diet information. And you're stuck with all of that baggage. So how do you, like, what's the first thing you try to hit them with to kind of de-educate them on, on the bad stuff? Well, I think one of the big things is I, we find our athletes just don't eat enough. And then what they eat is probably not necessarily what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, it's funny, when I first started doing the recovery sheet, one of the athletes came up to me and was like, oh, yeah, that's great because it reminds me to eat. <laughs> and I hadn't really thought about that, that they needed reminded to eat. But if they're, they're getting up and they've got practice, they've got lift, they've got their classes, a lot of them work on-campus jobs. They're not on scholarship here. Yeah. So they they do need to be reminded to eat. So one of the biggest things we do is get them, okay, you need to eat regularly. We don't want you to come in the lift. 
uh, you know, it's after practice at six o'clock, and the only thing you've had all day is a bagel at breakfast. So that's the first thing we do is remind them, you know, that they do need to eat, mm-hmm. and then we, we we get in. Okay, and this is what you need, what you need to eat when you need to eat it, kind of thing. So so that's for the student athletes. Now you've got your your grad program kids who are, you mm-hmm. know, they're the ones that are chomping at the bit to start doing research and things like that. Are they? Are they getting into more detailed levels of nutritional research? Like, do you have anything going on that's interesting on in, in that side? Well, um, we're, we're getting a couple studies started looking at nutrition. Um, in our program, we haven't done a lot. In our doctoral program in, uh, in exercise physiology, they've done some uh, nutritional programs looking at you know various types of you know diets. Um, they, I mean, a lot. Of, they take a, a sports nutrition course here. That kind of get their their interest peaked, and then a lot of them will go in and either get a, the ISSN certification or the Precision Nutrition certification on their own. Yep. Uh, but as far as what we, as far as the research, we haven't done a lot just looking at the nutrition. Most of it is more more performance based. Okay, interesting. I guess uh, you know it's uh, again it's one of those topics where um, it it seems to be one of the absolute bases of the pyramid, but doesn't get discussed as such. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. It's just, I think, yeah, we're 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 jumping on all the new things. Too. <laughs> I think that everybody's focusing on the new things, and some of the, some of the old, you know, basics sometimes get forgotten. Yeah, everybody's got some new wearable they want to talk about first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, um, where so you know, from from our standpoint, you know, we are we partner with so many different technologies and companies and things like that, mm-hmm. and we've been uh, in discussions with a few. Um, nutrition companies so i've tried every nutrition tracker out there and from you know everything from super complex micro level uh and macro level uh you know i I had a half a banana with my thing and you know just adding everything so i can get a full breakdown to something as simple as like take a picture um yeah what's uh if you know what would be the quickest tip to say you know what think about it in this most simple sense and just go um I mean, honestly, that'd be, I, I don't know if I could do justice to that question. It'd be more <laughs> for a sports nutritionist. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what I let her, you know, I kind of handed that completely over to her. I know. Uh, That's a good delegator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, with, I mean, I can't, I can't do everything. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time um, um, working with kind of what, what, how I can help her to, to get access to the athletes. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time, we do do the pictures, you know, take a picture of your, yeah. um, of your meal and post it to, to post it to Instagram, you know, so find, try to find that, that healthy meal. Um, I mean, I know she spends a lot of time educating them about carbohydrates, the proper type of carbohydrates they need. Um, and just, uh, on this, this card here, I mean, we have, can't see this very well, no, but you can totally see it. we yeah, just have well, a thousand of these I mean, printed off that we give to all our athletes. If you, hold, um, if you hold it up like right here, you can totally see that. Yeah, this uh, up to the camera to your to your other, the, up, other direction. There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay, back, back yeah. up a little bit. And yeah, there we go. There's the uh, front, <laughs> and then, then on the back, we actually have what their plate should look like. Oh, that's so, awesome! An example of how they should divide up between their you know their, 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 their grains, their meats. So just trying to simplify it like that. So our, our, our you know, view is they're going to pull this out and look at their plate and see, okay, does it match up to, to what my meal is of Super the day? Super simple. You know, what yeah. trying to do. So, so I'd say that's probably the, the, the most basic thing that we can teach them. I mean, the other big thing, I think, is just sleep. And I've been reading a lot on sleep lately. That's kind of like picked something to really dive into every semester. But yeah. as far as the sleeping, I mean, our athletes always report they're getting plenty of sleep. But I don't know if they're getting, you know, the proper sleep. I mean, are they... You know, is it, are, are they getting into the right sleep cycles or, you know, that can be affected? I'm still learning about, you know, as far as the blue light. And I know I'm guilty of this. I probably spend at least an hour reading on my Kindle every night yep. before I go to bed. Is that the best way to do it? Am I able to, is that affecting my sleep patterns? And I know here, I, I, you know, as far as the light, the lighting and, and that type of thing, living in a residence hall, sometimes yep. that may not be the most uh, you know, conducive to proper sleep. So... I think that's the next thing we're going to really delve into is making sure they're or trying to find out if they're getting better sleep and start doing some, within the nutrition presentations, talk about sleep a little bit. 
Yeah, with sleep, you know, it's really about the, you know, sleep hygiene, right? Like, do you have your lights off and the blue light and everything else like that? And, you know, uh, I think it was, it might have been Carl Valley who was on, but we were talking about one of the dirty secrets with, um, like, my phone dims, and I have the same thing on my laptop, so the laptop dims, and it gives me, like, the different yellow color and everything else like that, but it's still it's still being emitted by an LED that has blue light behind it. So yeah. you're still getting that waveform in your eyes and it still actually, deal, you know, it still actually affects, um, you know, your sleep patterns. And even last night I was up, you know, on my bed, wife goes to sleep, I'm on my laptop working and, um, you know, do that until I zone out. Uh, it's, yeah. it's definitely affecting sleep quality. Well, I know, and I, I started just recently, just, I went to, uh, Actually, a, a library book sale. Picked up a bunch of paperback books or just you know, <laughs> hardback, just paper books. And it, it almost, they have it's funny. Stuff. I've got so used to electronic, it just feels weird to hold a book in my hands. <laughs> you know, and um, so it, it is something I think we, you know, some of the technology gets us in trouble <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an, I'm a audiobook guy. That's, that's my, uh, that's the only way I actually get it in. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that uh, you're taking subjective questionnaires from your athletes. Uh, what other type of information are you asking these guys on a, on a regular basis? Um, well, I mean, I guess not formally, but we, we try to get a gauge of, you know, how they're feeling. And we, we tried some different scales. Okay, how do you feel today? Uh, you know, one to five. You know, we don't have heart rate variability, you know, capabilities or anything like that. Um, and, and we've even gone with a lot of our programming instead of a specific percentage, give them a range, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for, for how they're feeling. And you try to monitor that on their card a little bit, keep track. Good communication with the, the sport coaches too um, is the, the the big thing, and really, not that we didn't communicate well, but now we're really trying to focus on that. You know, every you know, if not every day, two three times a week, talk to the coach, find out exactly what they're doing in practice. Um, and it, you know, I think it's a little different. Once again, a Division three school versus Division one, where you work <laughs> closely with those coaches. Yeah. You know, our coaches kind of turn the athletes over to us and trust whatever we're doing. Um, so they're not as involved, but we're trying to get that a little bit, uh, more so, so we can monitor that, that, that stress. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the, the biggest, probably the biggest thing we're doing other than that. We've done, we've done some stuff looking at, uh, you know, percentage vert, vertical jump decreases. And that's one, one thing I'm doing a little bit more now, uh, recording the vertical jump throughout the, the season to see, look for those decreases. Not a lot of people have done that. We've even tried with hand grip, some of the yep. research indicates. Hand grip uh, can can just can somewhat up. represent central nervous system fatigue, and yeah. uh, yeah, the vertical jump seems to look, look a little bit work a little bit better. The hand grip, everybody was so competitive that I get someone hand, <laughs> someone's hand grip. Well, what'd you get? Let me try it again. So it's uh, <laughs> the vertical jump. It seems a little less. Uh, we've had a little more success with that. Um, well, but uh, with the yeah. uh, with the subje- subjective stuff, so you, I mean, you've got the benefit of two things. One, you've got athletes uh, from freshman all the way through senior year. And two, you've got a research-based mindset so that you can actually, like you said, test out different language, test out different yeah. scales. Uh, do you go with the Borg scale? Do you go with the button one to fr- you know one through five? Like whatever it is that you're yeah. doing. So have you have you seen um, what I would say like a, a a compliance fatigue as athletes go through um, the process with you from start you know from freshman all the way through seniors, or do you you know like what's What's been your experience in dealing with that? Well, as far as them, I mean, as far as you mean, as far as them compliance and coming in, mm-hmm. coming in and working in the program, or yeah, yeah. Well, just compliance with so so if I'm if I'm uh, I'll I'll run two different cases by you. One is that uh, I'm one athlete. I'm here for four years. Uh, the entire time I'm here, I'm seeing the same question over and over and over again. So I'm just going to keep hitting the middle. Okay. Uh, or or circling the middle. Or the other, you know, uh, scenario is, um, you know, you guys have mixed it up over time and, you know, that freshness has kept the athlete engaged. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, I, and I think one, one of the reasons we only have done the one recovery scale so far, uh, consistent, you know, consistent with all our athletes, is because we don't want to overwhelm them with scales. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I've done is kind of then left it up to to our coaches if they want to uh, to do, to my, my assistant coaches, if they want to do a little something else. Um, but I, I, I told them I only want, you know, maybe one, if they're going to do one, one additional would be, would be about the limit I want. I don't want the athletes to run in that. They get so sick of surveys and this and that, that they have to constantly, um, uh, constantly, you know, 
pull out their phones or fill out these things at the end of every lift or before every lift. And uh, I read an article, I think it was by Brian, it was by Brian Mann mm -hmm. recently, talked about with all the technology, we forget about coaching. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes I, I want to, sometimes that does happen. The technology is wonderful and we've got to use it to, to complement what we do. Yeah. Uh, but just getting to know your athletes, and I know with every team I work with, you, you, you know that athlete that if they're fatigued, then everyone else is going to be fatigued. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys got to, I try to teach the, my, my assistants, identify those athletes that you can really trust and are really going to be a good representative of what the other team's feeling. Every, you know, every team has the guy that anytime you ask him how he's feeling, he's feeling horrible. And then every team has the guy that, he, you know, he, if he's crawling into the weight room, he says he feels great. So I think just finding that, that, that person that you can really, you know, gauge and, and, and just learning to know your athletes. I can, I can tell when they walk in um, how they're feeling, you know, after I've worked with them for, for a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, so so you know, I think that's the, the big part of it to uh, then just kind of adjust based on, on what you see. Yeah, I mean, if you're not, you know, what's the point of technology if you're if it's not enhancing your relationship with the athlete, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we see that all the time where it's just like, no, I, you know, I I I got a budget and now I'm buying all this cool tech and we've got you know everything. We're going to hook up all the monitors and and Bluetooths and everything else like that. And guys are running around with all these you know whiz bang sensors and then you got two guys behind a laptop capturing all the data and they know less about their athlete than they did before. Yeah, they actually talk to them. Um, so, with uh, you know, in your experience, um, you know, what have been the things that you guys have tried that has gotten like the the best reaction or the best engagement with an athlete? Well, I think you know a couple of things we've done is uh, with the recovery sheet. I think that works really well. They seem to really like that, and uh, they seem pretty compliant in doing that. Yeah. Um, a couple other things we're, we're doing with uh, one of my assistants came up with this uh, with, with basketball, and at the end of every lift, he's giving them a grade on how how he thought they perceived that how he perceived they were working on that lift. The old gold star method. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, you know, if they didn't do very well, then they, they were going to come back and you know work, work harder. But then also, okay, if you see a lift, all right, that was a C lift. Try to find out why, what's going on, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's something we've seen to have. Have some uh, um, some luck with, and, and and then just like I said, just going back to all right, how, how are you guys feeling today? Um, what did you just do in practice? And that the biggest problems I think when they come out come from practice. Mm -hmm. You know, what did you do? We may have an idea of what they're supposed to do. Maybe did that change that type of thing? Um, so I guess what's worked best is just the recovery sheet. Just getting them to think about that, but then just trying to mix it up with some some other other things if you can. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting with the recovery sheet. Like, if you're actually doing it on paper, like I have to, I have to like hand it to you, right? And then yeah, that yeah. creates instant, uh, instant communication. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, I don't want to, you know, plug our system, but you know, you mentioned Coach Me Plus. We've got the monitors, and if the monitor is telling you, you know, yeah. something's going on, again, you've got that reengagement. So, um, yeah, it, it's a point. Um, it's a point that everybody comes back to where it's like, mm -hmm. again, like that nutritional foundational thing, the relationship foundational uh, piece, people are always kind of like, Oh yeah. Like I have to go back to relationship management. It's like, why do we have to think that we have to keep coming back to that? Shouldn't that always be a foundation? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Just getting to know your athletes. And, and when we did go to the electronic versus the paper, that's something that I thought about Yeah. Uh, that we don't have this, that, Interaction. When you take a look at it, and you're you're going on a scale from zero to twenty, and you want them in that seventeen to sixteen to twenty range or whatever, and they've got a ten. It's like, okay, what's what's wrong here? You didn't sleep very well this week. You didn't eat very well, and then you can that starts a conversation. And okay, they're you know we were PT major. They had finals. They had a clinical exam or something like that. And yeah. uh, you know that's a big part of it. But just you're trying to know every athlete. It's difficult here with 700 athletes trying to know what their, all their majors are and, you know, getting an idea of what, what's going on yeah. with them. But, you know, trying to, I guess, have that understanding of each one of them. I, I try to – one thing I, I heard years ago, the, the person that told me was Barry Weinberg, who was a medical director with the, the St. Louis Cardinals back then, a Springfield alum, mm -hmm. and he said he'd gotten this from someone else. It's like say something to every athlete every single day. 
you know, and interact with them in some way. So I don't walk by an athlete and sit out saying, hello, how you doing, or asking them about, you know, if I know their major, ask them about their major, or, or go, we've got, whether they're a Red Sox fan or a Yankee fan or, or, or whatever it may be, and, you know, Patriots, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, so I'm a Colts fan, so a lot <laughs> yeah. of the Patriots fans love to give me a hard time out here. Uh, so just finding <laughs> some way to interact with your athlete, getting that personal side of it, and from then, just that interaction, that, that opens up to so much more that you can tell are they are they are they fatigued or you know are they just a little off that day they they you know and then you can you know um, dive in a little deeper and, and find out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if you you know you get that feeling like we get that when we have um, you know an intern who comes in and starts with us. I almost forget sometimes the impact that I had as you know a young intern coming in and somebody you know, who was above me, brought me in and communicated with me in a certain way. And I, I always have to like reset the communication, you know, clock to be like, Oh, yeah. remember what that kid felt, you know, remember what you felt like when you were yeah. at that age. And, yeah. um, you know, I got doc Brian coming in and he, you know, big man, this and that. And he said hi to me and he, he asked me how my day was. And yeah. that might just, you know, that might just be the connection that opens him up to tell yeah. you, by the way, coach, or, you know, I'm feeling this, or, you know, this is bothering me, or why are we doing this again? And, you know, we yeah. open a line of communication that otherwise might not have happened because they wouldn't feel the way, you know, they might not have felt the way to approach you, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's funny because I, I'm just talking to one of my grad assistants about this is who's got some freshmen that are, you know, now I feel like four weeks in, the freshmen are starting to lose a little bit of that deer in the headlights look. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and get with everything you tell them, and uh, you were just talking about. Okay, I mean, obviously I was a freshman over 30 years ago, <laughs> you know, so uh, um, trying to remember. Okay, what it was like back then. You know, you you, you are terrified, and just uh, and one thing I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of is if someone does have some, when we screen them, they have they do have some issues. Trying to not separate them from the team too much. Hmm. You know, for the, everybody else, what, what, what they're doing. But I think that you, when you mentioned that, that's the psychological aspect of it is a big thing that, uh, that, that that plays a role in them gaining you gaining their trust and that type of thing. No, I, I totally, I totally, you know, believe in in that. You know, growth through communication is is definitely yeah. the best way to handle that. Um, and we only got a little bit of time left here, and I wanted to to hit back on um, your your grad program you know we've got we've got the strength conditioning factory you know springfield college um kids are coming out but you know we've got a lot of push in the industry now to bring in you know um sports scientists with experience in uk rugby or australian rules football or things like that and our strength coaches coming out of the north american institutions um, might not have that same experience, so now they have to. They're they're going head to head against these guys. So, yeah. uh, what can what can we do better as uh, development programs and uh, you know as 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 the position that you're in? What can we do better to help these guys be in better position to uh, to be in be in these sports science style positions? Well, and I, I think. I just understanding the science, and I think you know one thing. I, I'm trying to uh, continually update our curriculum so they they understand more of that sports science science side of it. Um, whether we have the technology here, or bringing someone in that can teach them about the technology, learn about that aspect of it. But I still, I mean, I, I the way I teach our our, our student, or my philosophy to developing strength coaches is you know three components. You have the science part, and you know that's going to be ever changing with the technology, and that's going to affect that. And then the applications, you can, you know, as far as I'm very big on, I want them to be able to hop up on a platform, demonstrate a, a clean. I mean, I still do that you know, now after being in the field for almost 30 years, um, demonstrate the exercises. So I take them through everything. I have them actually write training programs for themselves when they first get here. Mm -hmm. So in their first semester here, every three weeks, they turn in their own training program to me. So I talk and talk about what they're doing. I'm very big on trying programs before you implement them to, to athletes. Mm -hmm. uh, I hear Dan John talk a lot about this. You know, you write a program, try it out, see how it feels, and, and, then, and then give it to your athletes. 
But then I think the, the part that we're missing sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes with the sports science approach is that coaching aspect. Yep. And I get students that come in, they're brilliant, they, they, they train like maniacs, but you stick them in front of a, a, a group of athletes, they don't know what to do. So I, I spent a lot of time with that leadership aspect um, in my internship course, which all students take when they get here. Um, they're in the weight room, you know, all, every day with me. But they have to read a, a, a sport coaching book, a strength coach book, a nutrition book, and a leadership book. And uh, really, how all those go into developing their strength and conditioning principles and their strength and conditioning philosophy. So I think that's the part that where in the, our educational programs that we have here. Um, just teaching them how to coach, how to work with 130 football players and then turn around and work with maybe, you know, 10, you know, cross-country runners or whatever it may be. Um, just being able to adapt your coaching style and, and reach every athlete. You know, each team seems to have a different personality and each team seems to respond a little bit differently. Just like when we're teaching in the classroom, different learning styles. But I think each team responds a little bit differently to different coaching styles. And I think as long as you're training coaches to be able to adapt to that, they're always going to be successful in the, in, in the field. Yeah, and I think I think we feel that strength uh, coming from you know the programs that we have here in in, in the states. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was I was in an NHL team yesterday, um, and, and we had a after we got done discussing our um, uh, some of the things that we're doing with them basically had like a four-hour hangout with an Australian sports science guy, a North American sports science guy, a North American strength coach, and um, a UK um, just sports applied sports scientist who does nothing but numbers. And it turned into this huge roundtable of, well, uh, you know, good luck finding the guy who can take you through the clean progression, can command the room in a leadership sense, can sit behind the data, analyze it, and, and deal with it, and then apply um, you know the the knowledge that he's gained to uh, fine tune his athletes and, and yeah. go along. There's like three guys on the planet that can do that. Yeah. So, so then you end up with a blend of you know uh, a nerd who can sit behind a computer, uh, a strength coach who can um, who can coach. Uh, deal with uh, relationships and things like that, and then maybe somebody who can, um, you know, politic through the organization. But yeah. not every organization can have three or four people. So, yeah. so if you had to focus on, you know, we know our, you know, we know that the strengths coming out of our programs are uh, progressions, uh, coaching ability, uh, training ability, uh, leadership skills, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Where would we? Uh, better improve ourselves as as coaches to at least be able to communicate and dabble in these in these other things that are happening now. Well, and I, I think I mean like I, I like briefly touched on. I mean, we're, I'm trying to integrate more and more technology mm -hmm. and getting the, the students exposed to as much of that as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, so if they learn about GPS, they they're learning about you know heart rate variability. They're learning um, you know. I can't even say keep up with all the different velocity-based training, all the technology, velocity-based yeah, training, yeah. All, all the different technology yeah. it, it'll involve with that. The heart rate monitors. I mean, um, just try to get them as much exposure to that. Um, so I, I guess put them in a position where they know how to learn. Mm -hmm. I guess would be another part of it. Get them in the habit of being lifelong learners, going out there and looking for things. I mean, another thing we do. Uh, you know, every two weeks they come into class. I call my research article analysis, and they go out and get two articles: one peer-reviewed, one non-peer-reviewed. So I, I would talk about before a lot of the you know the coaches are ahead of a lot of the research because of the difficulty in, in, in getting uh, research published. Yeah. So when we start to analyze that, so I just try to create those habits that hopefully they're going to continue forever, and you know, and, and that's going to help them always be prepared for whatever is coming next. Yeah, and that's brilliant. I don't think I don't think a lot of people think about it in, in a research-based approach, right? Uh, like you said, the old the old way of thinking about things was I'm a I'm a metal or I'm a, a, a meathead, whatever you want to call it. I can throw weights around, so I'm gonna teach other people to do the same thing. Yeah, but, you know, you're thinking about it, and you're training your uh, GAs, your interns, your students to think about things in an evidence-based approach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. But, 
and I think while still understanding, yeah, the, just the love of being in the weight room and that kind of, you know, you know it, it, it's, you know, steal from uh, Jeff Oliver and his, his uh, TED talk on you got the greatest job in the world. It's, uh, you know, one thing I preach to, to the, my students is don't take yourself too seriously, um, you know, because you have such, you've got just a wonderful job. You know, you're, you're in a weight room, you're working with athletes, you're wearing shorts and t-shirts half the time. Um, <laughs> Kind of thing, and uh, um, but just be open to what what's ever out there. Love and just love learning, and love training yourself, and love training others. So uh, I know you've been traveling a lot. You've been to China a couple of times. What's next for you? Um, actually, I, I'm going back for a conference in Beijing. I'm, I'll be speaking in uh, I believe October 11th through 16th. Nice. Uh, we got a, a good good group going over there. Adam Fight's going to be going over there. I know Ron McKeefrey is going to go nice. be over there. Brett uh, Bartholomew. So I uh, should have a really good uh, good conference over there. Awesome. Well, I thank you. I know I'm. You know, it's a little bit shorter than our normal because we start a little bit late, but you do have to wrap at three thirty. So yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah no. absolutely, absolutely. So uh, thank you, Dr. Thompson. This is awesome. Um, you know, it's good talking to you again, and uh, I'll wrap up everything else in the, the post-talk, but um, thanks for being on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Oh, absolutely. Thank you to Dr. Brian Thompson from Springfield College for being on the Coach Me Plus Applied Sports Science podcast. Um, you know, some good stuff there, and, you know, to, to kind of hit home and hammer on that point of leadership being an important skill that, you know, needs to be addressed you know we we, we discuss this a lot where coaches are uh, very technical or uh, very skilled in um, you know data analytics or looking at information Um, but when it comes down to working inside of an organization and really acting as that leader that you need to really help you know put everything together and run the organization you know it's something that uh, doesn't come naturally to everybody and really needs to be you know, reassessed and, 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 and hit on and, and drilled home so that these guys uh, walk out with those skills and actually put command on, on the floor and, and who they're working with within the organization. Um, anyway, sorry, a little bit of a rant there. So let's get into uh, you know our next couple of podcasts, which will be coming out over this next month and, of course, the following months. And uh, for those who have not subscribed to the newsletter, please go to coachmeplus.com. Uh, go uh, top right corner, click subscribe, and uh, you'll get uh, sports science goodness inside your inbox. Um, that's pretty much it for this week, and uh, we look forward to uh, our next guest and coming and talking back to you guys again. Thanks a lot.